0: Ever wonder what it's like to face a 350-pound lineman who wants to smash you into the ground? I know what that feels like. Scott Mitchell here, and I want to tell you about my podcast, Helmets Off, where I talk about the pressures of being an NFL quarterback and some of the other pressures pro athletes face when the helmet is off. It's a podcast, and you can get it free on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and at kslsports.com. I'm Scott Trout. CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell, where a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404.
1: Welcome to Innovation and Leadership. I'm Jess Larson. Today on the show, I've got Harry B. I
0: believe an insight obviously, you know, connects with vision for like bigger purpose. Is Like I really like to like, I mean, every great creative piece of work has, is obviously strategically driven. But like to me, when I like I have the confidence around a, po- a point of view into a, uh, into a challenge, that's the insight. And then I like to always do things differently. Like I, I, I just I've never been again, I've never been comfortable resting on my morals, repeating myself
1: or Harry Bernstein, if you want his full name. But uh, Harry, for people who don't know about your background, can you give us a bit of the elevator pitch?
0: Great. How's it going? I'm Harry B. At Harry B. on Instagram. Um, H-A-R-Y, the letter B. Yes, I've worked in advertising for 20 years in New York City, the home and birthplace of advertising. Uh, Kind of a modern uh, madman. I've worked at some big agencies like Ogilvy & Mather and... Uh, under WP and then Berlin Cameron. uh, I've worked client side at Rockstar Video Games, which is a, they make Grand Theft Auto. And then I started my own agency uh, in social media pretty early in the social media marketing game uh, about nine years ago called the 88, uh, named it to our address. We were at 88 Prince in Soho, New York. And then about a year and a half ago, I was acquired by Havas, a holding company Havas, which is owned by uh, Vivendi. And now I'm the CCO of Havas New York. And I'm also still the CEO and CCO of the 88, which is now called the Annex 88, which is uh, the company that was acquired and does uh, focuses on digital and uh, focus on social media and culture type activations for clients. But at Havas proper, I manage the whole consumer journey.
1: That's great. Well, um, I was listening to your interview on AdAge and, uh, one of the things that was fascinating to me is, you know, so I'm originally an art school dropout. I I'm, I'm was an illustration major before I dropped out to become an entrepreneur and accidentally ended up in finance. But uh, uh-huh. I have so many of my friends that were art majors that are either at an agency or a couple of them run agencies. Um, but I'm fascinated with this idea of your art background and kind of what you talked about of looking around the room one day and realizing the only the only 50-year-old still in the business owned the agencies. Can Can you talk about this idea and and uh branching out to becoming an entrepreneur
0: cool yeah yeah so uh yeah so that 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 story is yeah i mean uh it's it's a combination of two experiences that led me to start my own agency So, so so i have to be honest i'm i'm actually not very daring so people are like oh to be an entrepreneur you have to be so courageous and daring i was just more like um, so I look around the room and I was in a, a Berlin camera at the time was probably about maybe 80 people. Let's just say it's 100 people just for to, to make it easy. Right. And I start doing the math around the room and I'm like, wow, like, you know, like 40 percent of these people, 45 percent of these people are like, you know, between the ages of like 20 and 28, uh, 21 and 28. And then you get into like, you know, 28 to 35, and that's the other like 35, 40 people, right? And you start to get to like 35 to 40, there's like five people, and then you're like, like 45, there's two people, and then you're like over, like the only person who's getting nearing 50 was the owner. So I'm like, where do people, where do 50 year old people go in advertising? They have to be the owner. So I guess if I wanna, if I wanna have a career when I'm, when I'm 50, I have to own an agency. So I basically, it wasn't out of courage, it was out of pure logic that I was like, I better become an entrepreneur and I know how to do this. So I didn't actually start an agency instantly. I I went client-side for a year, and we had all-in-hearth marketing. So at Rockstar, I learned we had marketing next to PR next to – back then it was called digital, but it was like Twitter and web. And I really understand the integrated – a real true integrated model. And from there, I started my own agency uh, called the 88 um, nine years ago, and uh, the name came obviously uh, came from – our address. We were at 88 Prince in, in Manhattan. So I don't think I was the most creative in naming it, but it was out of this kind of the logistics. And I have to be honest, instead of courage, of the fear of not having a job. So it was the opposite of courage. I guess being courageous is facing your fear, but it wasn't this like courage; It was just logic that pushed me to that point. And, uh, and I, uh, I, I, you know, I, I loved it. And I think the other thing though, I do think that a true, a true, a true creative is entrepreneurial at the core, and I think a true entrepreneurial entrepreneur is creative at their core. Meaning that, um, actually, Andy Berlin, who owned Berlin Cameron, he organized crime. He said that basically that entrepreneurs were similar to gangsters; that they basically didn't like walk the walk of a normal person. Mine is more that, like, I think a, a true artist. Uh, you know, we okay. I believe everyone is born creative. Uh, you know, and obviously early in school, you're, paint, you're finger painting, you're making uh, human human nature is to make. That's why we've evolved to the level we are. So I believe that, that creative is about creation and we all make, right? And there's a certain point in your life where, like, society tells you, like, oh, no, just – get you know, and, and then some people can just malleably go along, just go along with this path that's that's lined up that makes sense. And I think the true creative, right, we're all creative, but the true creative then just always feels – something's off a little bit, right? It's not to the point where you're like, you can't be part of society, right? But like, that's where like counterculture and subculture start to happen because you're like, wait a second, the status quo, I'm doing it and it's just, I don't know, I want more, I want different. And that's where, I think that's the heart of a, of a creative person and an entrepreneur, right? Because if you were not an entrepreneur, right, you're totally fine being like, dude, nine o'clock, I ch- check in, five o'clock, I check out. And like I said, I wasn't raised by entrepreneurs. Like my, my grandfather was a sanitation worker, uh, you know, union sanitation worker. My other grandfather was a truck driver. My dad was a truck driver, then he became a, a, a teacher. Uh, So, you know, very like my mom worked for the public schools in New York. So I came from a, a, so I wasn't like seeing this. I really believe that, you know, I'm this, you know, I was, I was born as creative. And then the creativity and the, the not accepting of the status quo makes you create, right? Create your own path, right? Create your own point of view and create your own way of doing things. And that creates businesses, careers, you know, not jobs and leadership and not managers, you know, so I think the core of a great entrepreneur is creativity, and, and a great artist, and I think they're one of the same.
1: You know, it makes me ask the que- it makes me think of a question, and I'll I'll start with like a little bit of an anecdote, and then ask my question. Um, it comes from a story I heard of a guy who was talking to a dentist who wanted to become an entrepreneur, who was like 30 years into his career, and his friend was saying to him, you know, would you ever let an 18 year old decide um, your future about being a dentist or not being a dentist or being an entrepreneur? Would would you ever, Mm -hmm. would you leave that decision up to an 18 year old? And he's like, of course not. He's like, well, you realize it's your 18 year old self that decided to be a dentist. And, (laughs) and, you know, you're like this point, you're vacillating back and forth. Um, You know, it was an 18 year old version of yourself that made that decision. You're older and wiser now. Can you give yourself permission to make a new decision based on more information? And so My question for you, and and the guy ultimately did, but my question for you is, why do you think so many of us um, struggle with reassessing if our previous career track or, or decisions is the right way to go? I think about how many times I've wasted time either in a job or in a business line because I was already going instead of continuing to ask myself the hard question of, you know, where I thought this was getting me. Is it actually like, am I passing those milestones? Is it actually... As it actually is likely to get me there as I thought it was when I started, which is obviously something that you observed from just being, you know, staff at at arguably amazing agencies, Ogilvy and stuff. But uh, why do you think so many of us don't have that conversation with ourselves about getting really honest about is my current track going to get me where I want to go?
0: Well, I think I think the thing is the fear of having the of trusting your vision versus the tangible. The where you want to go is vision, right? So the vision I always say like, and this is not hallucinate. is not vision to me. Is not hallucination. Vision is the narrative for yourself, right? And it is your story. And I do believe that like you know, um, I did not know at 18, I didn't know at 34 that I would even be here. But like the vision for myself, right? And I think vision is supported by. A bunch of small decisions, right? So the problem is, is that like the 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 faith and vision will let you not accept certain compromises, right? Because compromise can be the death of an entrepreneur and the death of I have to be on true creative vision, right? So it's so if I'm in this day to day job and I'm like, you know, what I'm getting paid really well and like everyone's really, dude, everyone's nice. It's like I'm not like my boss is not yelling at me. I'm you know I I can work my own hours. I can you know, I, I still don't, maybe I have a work-life balance or I have enough of a work-life balance. Like, you know, I'm fine. Right. And like, to me, like, I, I'm not comfortable. I've never been comfortable with fine. My vision for myself is bigger than fine. And, and, and I think that like, you know, I had to recognize in myself that like fine gets very uncomfortable. And, and the, like I said, it wasn't this courage. It was like that I actually got uncomfortable with being comfortable. And that took being very honest with myself, right? It's not about you know, like I said, it's, it's and and then when I first started my company, i was I, I took a huge pay cut. I'm talking like probably the pipe was getting paid a third of what I was paid. I had not a huge amount of savings, but I was the happiest as ever ever was. like like i was ha- I, I was making a third amount of money. i, I rented my condo, I moved into an apartment in a in a in a not as nice apartment. I like had to like, obviously like, but but I was 10 times happier. Right. And it was because I was following my vision. Like I was following that vision and that, you know, I think uh, people need to understand the relationship with, and I think a big one is money, right. The value of money versus the value of their vision. You know, and I think that like, you know, what, what um, is very tangible and easy, is like, okay, I have this plan of I make this much money and I, I'm saving this much, and I'm doing this, and it makes a lot of sense. But if, if you if that's if that if you have to compromise for money, your vision, you will never be happy. And that that the 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 the, the, the satisfaction and joy that comes from 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 having faith in your vision is always. I don't care the number. I, I have not made checks at the level of many people, but I have gotten checks beyond what I thought I'd ever get at one time. It does not doesn't match that feeling you get from following your vision. So the value, the value and vision is more important.
1: Yeah. You know, um, it's, uh, it kind of plays into one of the other things I was really interested to talk to you about on the show is, um, you know, I I look at, you know, back at Ogilvy, you're doing, you know, that did stuff, Sprite, Kodak, DuPont, Amex, IBM, and and that Havas now 19 years later has IBM Mm -hmm. as a client. And, uh, and, you know, as I, what I do know about you is like, Kind of your uh, penchant for innovation and your willingness to jump in and explore things and and get in on the real guts of new social before everybody else has figured out and stuff like that. Can you talk about a little bit of this path of constant iteration or this this curiosity and in innovation and and what that looks like working with you know at an agency with clients like IBM 19 years ago and and an agency with clients like IBM now.
0: Yeah, cool. I mean, yeah, so I, I think, you know, my core, my core values is uh, insight innovation. My my core creative outline is insight innovation craft, right? So I, I believe an insight obviously, you know, connects with vision for like bigger purpose is like, I really like to like, I mean, every great creative piece of work has, is obviously strategically driven, but like to me, when I like, I have the confidence around a, po- a point of view into a, uh, into a challenge, that's the insight. And then I like to always do things differently. Like I, I, I just, I've never been, again, I've never been comfortable resting on my morals, repeating myself. Right. Like, so that's the, 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 the heart of like innovation on every level. And, and, and I can talk about some things now where I think actually analog is innovation now. So it's actually, I'm actually reverting now. The analog is being more innovative in a lot of ways and we talk about it and then the last is craft and i do think that like you know i think a lot of people uh have lost that there has to be a craft and my philosophy is i i i, I do to know but i get paid to know meaning that like i will mess with i will like when i'm venturing into 3d and we were venturing into vr and ar uh, two years ago at annex like i i got this like off the shelf thing where we were body scanning everybody at work with an ipad and like messing with unity and, and 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 3d programs i would I, w- I didn't want to get paid to do it but like we brought people to teach me to do it because i need to know something to do it i mean i have to do something and then i know it and then i can actually sell it to a client we actually launched a sneaker for adidas uh called the drup through uh, uh like an open sourced ar uh, uh platform that like has gotten some recognition and awards um because it was just like again i i got kind of interested in what ar and vr were doing and i started messing with it with the, with the team at at, at the 88 and then we like were able to sell it to the client because when the client asked me like harry like this has not been done before in this way like no i'm like i was like through the experience and the attraction always doing these things i can sincerely be, like this is going to be this is going to like transcend the market competitively it's going to be like it's going to engage a consumer in a unique way because I personally was engaged as in a new way. Right. So it's like, you know, it's this 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 philosophy of like doing to know and then getting paid to know and speak to it because I can only sell what I do. So I think, it, again, it, it, my experience is always like going inward to come outward. Right. It's like my, you know, uh, like attracts like. So it's like I'm going to always, you know, here we, we did a really cool thing for the Grammys this year called um, uh, Grammys Connect with IBM, where we used Watson to kind of scan all the connection between all the Grammy winners ever. And you could obviously, if you like a certain Grammy winner, you could use that to find another musician. So it was using Watson and all the databases. We actually worked with the Grammys because I have a relationship with them. So, again, it's like I love music. I personally like want to, you know, get deeper into music. Right. So it's like this ability to like, you know, what is the value of an award show now? So, okay, I see this person wins an award. I already know that song. Awesome. Clap, clap, clap. But now I can actually look on this platform and kind of engage and see oh this person has a connection through they've worked with them before genre of music there was multiple touch points and i can actually learn more and have a deeper music experience from this offline event so it was just like the insight there was like i find award shows boring like literally and even the grammys which is a great show they have music like I, I want to find a. Not boring is not wrong. I find it. Uh, I want to find a new way to engage with it. I guess. So it's well, like I think it's my constant drive to personally want to engage with things and do things differently that makes me do it for my clients, and then peop- those people want to work
1: with me. Well, I, I kind of want to jump on jump in on this a little bit more. You know, um, w- when I listen to your approach and and some of the other things that I've heard you did with Bloomingdale's and other and other clients, um, I want to talk about an, or get your thoughts on an idea. It seems like um you know we have different you know in my in my work with different agencies over the years uh mostly as clients but um and just being a real audiobook nerd listening to a lot of the the top marketing books it seems to me like the idea of unexpectedness is something that uh pays such big rewards but is something that isn't followed very much because of i think about how many fr- my friends and clients in advertising were either art majors or film majors, and then they needed to pay the mortgage, so they got into the creative agency world, right? And there's almost like a popularity contest, it feels like, you know, you get clients that come in and say, well, I want an ad like Apple, or I want an ad like Nike, and there's like this lack of recognition of like, but Apple already did that. A, you're not Apple, and B, Apple already did that. So there's no surprise, there's no, there's no endorphin release of Discovery, And when I hear about, so I'd love to hear like with the Adidas launch, with the Grammy thing, just the idea of working with clients and and helping them recognize kind of the the massive value of doing what hasn't been done instead of fitting in with the other cool things that have already been done.
0: Cool. I I mean, it's, it's a couple of things. I have to be honest we you know, I think I can't speak for all businesses. I can speak from our own experience, but we are in a people business, right? So when I explain we're in a people business and a person, you know, in a, in a relationship business, meaning that I have to have a relationship with my people, meaning the people that work with me, right? My employees, I need to know what they're great at. I need to, uh, you know, my job as a leader is to clear the way for them to do their best work. Right. So that's step one. So if I have a great team and I'm pretty fortunate to work with some amazing people across, right. Like, you know, traditional advertising, you know copywriting art direction technology social media like you know i I, I, I have a really 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 diverse team and I, and I'm respected we have a great things so that's first thing so you have it's about that relationship right but so you have this group of amazing thinkers and creators right and craft people craft is super important to me right can they actually make what they can do right mm-hmm. so that's the first step to having a successful agency is being able to to attract right inspire and and be able to you know kind of cultivate this this group of amazing people now you have the client side right so similar thing here is you know your client there has to be trust right the client has to trust you and i have to be honest it's not some clients are attracted to the daring right they're attracted to my spirit and, and and my 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 push right they come to be pushed they come for the they just say, dude, I, I could work with any agency. I'm coming to work with you because you did this. I, I They say, I want this, but when we tell them this is not this, this is about, like you're saying, this is about going into status quo. It's, you know, I say, it's like, it's this is a swimming upstream. Like we're gonna swim upstream. Are you ready for this, right? And I'm, I'm, and it's gonna be hard and it's gonna be challenging. Are we gonna do this together? And we do it, right? And there's some clients just naturally want that and they come back and, and but along that way there has to be successes, right? And and sometimes the successes are smaller and larger. But like the the great brands that have done that great work has been through a relationship. Some of those companies have worked with their agencies for decades, right? Like like Nike and Wyden have worked together forever. Like it's just like they have a deep relationship and Mm -hmm. trust right so it's like i have to have the trust of my client i need to get to know my client how we get to know each other on both ends the way i get to know my people that i work with as my employees and the way i get to do up with the with my clients is by making things and sometimes by knowing the client sometimes the thing is super crazy and nuts oh my god we're doing the first ar unboxing ever we're going to do this we're going to use a watching the crazy thing or sometimes it's like, hey, we're gonna make a film that's a little different or we're gonna like challenge your tagline, you know? Like I mean I mean ADP uh, you know uh, which we, we which is one of our clients we just we've been working with for almost like a year now, you know, the first point was like really understand their positioning and you know they 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 their ADP is obviously a human resource company very well known for just paying, doing paychecks, but they wanted to be known for the suite of other things. We're like, okay, we have to push it, right? So first we took their name, right? We like, you know, the tagline became always designing for people, which was kind of obviously ADP. It's, you know, it's not their actual, we didn't rename the company, but we leveraged off their existing, their mark. And then we're like, okay, we had to push this, right? So the campaign, which was like the heavy lifting large, you know, campaign at launch is what are you working for, right? So we're 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 asking people what they're working for because we're there to kind of obviously help people accomplish what they do as an HR company. So that was the that's the campaign it's launched. It's really beautifully shot. We actually worked we actually got the testimonials of companies they work with, like the Huffies and you know, these these large companies and and also some a lot of cool uh uh, they work a lot in entrepreneurs, actually, right? So that's the above line, and that 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 checks that box, and it's very valuable, and it feels big, and it feels very emo- emotive, right? But then at, then we were going into they wanted to do something at South by for their launch, and we're like, you know, having a booth of being like, what are you working for at South by? Like when people are, I've been to South by, it's very competitive. We're like, we need to like do something wild here. So the here, so we took that same philosophy of like always designing for people, and what do people have in workplace barriers, right? So what we did there was we made this thing called breaking barriers. So we had a room, we had four rooms where you could actually break barriers in the workplace physically with bats and clubs. It was a physical activation. And the opening activation was on, on national women's day. You could break the glass ceiling. So then there was like, you know, old technology. So like it was a physical activation of, so this is like ADP is like having people take bats and golf clubs and breaking the barriers of the workplace. It it was like this, one of the, if you Google it, it was like, One of the top five events at South by seen as like, you know, and they're like, you know, last year's standout thing was HBO made a Westworld, a physical Westworld, people in Westworld. So that was the one that stood out last year, this year, which is HBO, you expect this year was like ADP is owning South by. But again, it's like, you know, they they felt brave and excited because it made sense in this ecosystem and they had trust because we. We were able to like together partner and make these decisions together. So, you know, I don't, you know, I've done exciting, amazing work with Adidas and, you know, amazing with IBM. But I think all my clients, like once you start to deliver and, and build a, a relationship on doing, making things together, making work, you know, you know, like I said, the people that I work with and our natural instincts and I, I have to start with my people, you know, they're driven to push things and, and to create unique uniqueness. That faith and trust comes, and you're able to get that work into the world, and not just copy it. And let them, th- and explain to them that, like, you know, the, the famous case studies were not started by copying other case studies, right? Like, you know, there's always the companies everyone talks about, <laughs> were weren't made by copying other case study. Was about. That, yeah, I okay, about that's operations.
1: that is totally my line right there. The famous case studies were not made by copying other case studies. You know, I think Great. about like, you know, it wasn't that you just did something innovative. You're at. A, you know, South by Southwest conference completely known for innovation. And, and, uh, you know, you, it's not like you went to the little leagues to try and do something yeah. different, you know, you wade in there. And uh, it anyways, I, I love this line, the famous case studies are not made by by copying other case studies.
0: Um, I always tell people I'm like, I don't like voiceovers, sound like voiceovers. I don't like, you know, I don't like stock music, sound like stock music. People are like, but it, we can't get an original track. I'm like, you have to like work on it to make it feel special. And it's like I just think that, you know, a lot of you know, I think it's really great to admire the work in the industry and understand your competitive set. But my whole philosophy is the same inputs get the same outputs. Right. So I'm a very process driven person. And, you know, I I know also we've talked about my 20 pages, reading my 20 pages a day. It's like the process of life. So at my agency, you know, we we have a meditation room. We do meditation classes every Monday that's open. We get different styles of meditation. Uh, You know, spring, summer, fall, we have a farmer's market with you know nutrition rich uh, vegetables and fruit. Uh, that are brought from Long Island locally that's sold at a, a discount because I believe that like, you know, that's a really cool gathering place and market and it kind of, you know, makes it brings life to the agency, you know um and then we and whatever uh isn't uh bought at the agency we donate to a food pantry so uh so people are benefiting from it and then uh finally i said my personal you know, my personal things it's like do to know you know do to know get paid to know like always challenge myself to, if it's about film study do uh, do make videos if it's about droning start droning if it's about you know teaching myself to do things so i can so i can speak on them with 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 expertise and then the 20 pages a day is logging off like the big (laughs) thing is analog yeah like i believe in analog
1: i want to talk about this i I actually think this is a good part to end for part one of the episode but uh, that's what i want to dive in on on part two um well uh once again if you want to follow harry uh sounds like instagram at harry b is probably the best place am i right on that yep you got it okay great everybody please tune in for part two of the interview thanks so much well, that's it for the episode. One other thing I wanted to tell you about, if you'll remember the guys from Convoy uh, in episodes back, Ken Free and Trent Mano, I went on one of their CEO trips to New York and I met a guy named Brent Thompson, very successful entrepreneur. He was former CEO of Jive Communications, big uh, company now, I think three or $400 million. Anyways, he uh, he started a new company called blipbillboards.com. I'm super stoked they're a sponsor now. But uh, I remember a year and some ago when I met him, I thought it was genius. Instead of having to buy six months or a year's worth of billboard um, for thousands of dollars, you can buy eight seconds at a time for like 10 or 20 cents. You pick what billboard you want it on, what time of day you want it to run. And it just puts so much power in the hands of of marketers and CEOs who want to try something and see if it works. You can buy as many or as few as you want, change it as many times as you want. Uh, I think, now, our podcast is being advertised on billboards in like 18 different states because we have these guys as sponsors. We're pretty excited about it. Hope you check out blipbillboards.com. Thanks. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll
0: proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again.